This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Flamingo Pools, your go-to maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Stop wasting your valuable time trying to take care of your pool and let the professionals at Flamingo Pools take care of it for you. Visit azflamingopools.com for a free quote today. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast. East Valley Locals. Get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. Alrighty, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers podcast. Today, Ridge and I are here with Damien Curtis of Curtis Contracting. Damien, how's it going today? Good, how are you guys doing? Doing, doing good, good. Doing, doing good. It's good, good to have you on the show today. Um, before we get into to everything, all the juice, why don't you take a moment to tell us a bit about yourself and who you are kind of before Curtis Contracting came about? Okay, um, so I've been, uh, I grew up in Gilbert for most of my life. Um, moved there when I was about 10, was in Safford before that, went to Highland High School, um, and I, uh, always kind of been an entrepreneur, I always had an interest in business, and Mm -hmm. always knew whatever I did, I wanted to work for myself, and so in high school I had a carpet cleaning business, I started at 15, and did that until I was about 20, 21, and then, uh, served a mission for my church, and then, um, from there came home and kind of got into construction more. I was doing a little bit before that, uh, you know, through high school and stuff. Uh-huh. I always had a fascination with construction uh-huh. and learned a lot as I was growing up. I always was playing with tools and, yeah. um, and then, you know, about 23 or so I, uh, started working full time, just doing oddball construction projects. Yeah. And, it kept growing, word kept spreading, and here I am with a company now. So Nice, nice. All right, well, let's go back to high school. So you said you've always kind of been an entrepreneur. Did you have either a family member or a role model that kind of instilled that in you? Or how um, did you... you know, I don't know. It was, I think it was just kind of something I was born with, uh-huh. just something I knew that I didn't want to be an employee my whole <laughs> life. You know, I don't know where I picked that up, Yeah. but I feel like certain people are just kind of – they just think outside the box and yeah. think differently and they know that they wouldn't be happy just being an employee. They want to create something bigger. Yeah. And that's how I always felt. I'm not sure how I got that entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. um, at such a young age, but I just was always always driven to get what I wanted, yeah. you know, even as a kid, you know, I just I knew what I wanted and I'd go work hard for it. Uh-huh. You know, I just I had some good role models to learn how to work. For sure. Um, not necessarily for business, but you know, <laughs> I had good role models that really taught me a good work ethic. Yeah. And I just learned, you know what, if if I want something, I gotta go out and work hard for it. And yeah. So. So we did the carpet company. Did starting that kind of help you with everything else you've done with the construction company? Yeah, I think you know, um, it was the first official business I had, uh-huh. and uh, I learned a lot from it. You know. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can learn as you go, and it definitely helped all the little things that I learned from that, you know, help me with this business now. Um, as I got older, I started looking at where I wanted to go 
with a business, how big I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that carpet cleaning probably wasn't the industry that would make that happen. Yeah. Um, it was, you could make a decent living at it, but yeah. I've always had big dreams of growing a huge business with people that run it for me and yeah. I can leave for a week and still yeah. have it running when I come home. It's and the dream. It, yeah, exactly. And I've just, I've always dreamed big about stuff. And I just looked at carpet cleaning and realized that it's possible. There are a few companies out there that have done that, uh-huh. but there's so much competition in that that right. it probably wasn't going to get me where I wanted to be. Yeah. Your odds were better in some other and industry. Exactly. And yeah. so um, I I wasn't exactly sure what industry I was going to go into, but um, I always had that fascination with construction growing up, and I just kind of started doing little oddball projects for friends and family and it kind of grew from there and as I got busy with that I started realizing you know what this could be the business that'll get yeah. me where I want to be yeah. yeah what about construction like interests you you know like like I said with the business spirit that I had I think that's another thing that I was just kind of born with I don't know how to describe yeah. it but as a kid I remember a real young kid, yeah. every time we'd be driving by a construction site, I would just be watching all the the equipment and the workers. Uh-huh. And it was just something I, from as yeah. early as I can remember, I just was always fascinated yeah. with construction. And I got into my dad's toolbox when I was about two years old and took a drill bit and twisted it into the drywall and drilled a hole in the wall. And <laughs> nice. I just, so I love tools. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I was figuring it out at a young age. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, I think everyone's kind of born with like just wanting to do something, and and they like are focused on like an area in life. So yeah, there's definitely I've I've noticed that too. There's certain passions people are just kind of uh-huh. born with, and yeah. I think construction is kind of that passion that I yeah was born with, and it was kind of always always destined to end up in it. Yeah, yeah. So at what point did you go from like a handyman just doing off? off ball jobs to realizing that you like had a business here or something that you could could grow and expand um well i would say it was probably so i got home from my mission about five years ago mm-hmm. and um that's when i just started picking up oddball jobs yeah. you know a little bathroom remodel you know whatever just anything i could do to yeah. make some money just the handyman work. Yeah. yeah and um I did that for a while and I got to where I didn't have to really put the word out. People were just calling me and Uh I was just consistently busy getting into bigger and larger projects, doing some kitchens, doing some entire houses. And, you know, I've always been fortunate that whatever I've done, I've word of mouth has definitely spread and, and I haven't really had to advertise in a way, in any way. Um, and so it was probably, you know, after about a year of that, realizing how consistent things were. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, had a few full house remodels and some kitchens and some bathrooms and things like that, that I started realizing, you know what, this could turn into a business. Yeah. And from there, I kind of hired a few part-time guys here and there to help okay. on some stuff. And then um, it was probably about um, about three years ago when I finally had all the experience I needed and was able to get my contractor's license and uh-huh. set up an official company. Yeah. At that point, I think that's when I, when everything became official and it was a real company. Yeah. yeah, that's sweet. So for, I guess I, well, I have two questions. So 
Um, for those that don't know, um, when they are trying to get like their contractor's license and things like that, like you said, you needed experience, right? So yeah. how does somebody go about doing um, that if they want to get into the trade? Um, Just a quick rundown. So basically, for most trades, you need four years of experience. Right. And then um, depending on what license you're going for, if you're going for a general, sometimes they want to see, they want to make sure that you have four years of general contracting experience mm-hmm. of working around new builds and and uh, remodels and all kinds of different yeah. jobs. And I know they've changed the way they license recently to where they're not quite as strict with, I, when I, so I started out with a different license it was just for remodeling because I didn't have the new build experience. Uh-huh. And I wanted to get into construction with an actual license and so I got what I could qualify for. And so yeah. with that I had to, I think I had to show a list of like 10 different jobs, fill out a form for each one, proving that I done the work, the homeowner or somebody that knew that I did that work had yeah. to verify it. And they've changed that recently to where I don't think they require those job forms anymore. They just want one form with a list of all your experience and somebody to sign off saying, yeah, yeah. he's whether it's a foreman you work for or something like that. I think it, I went about it a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit easier to go work for somebody else get that experience yeah. because then you have a boss that can sign off for you. Yeah. I was working on my own, you know, doing projects that I should have been licensed for, but I didn't have the license yeah. yet. And so then I have to find a way to, to find somebody that can sign off saying, yeah, he's got the experience, even yeah, though he wasn't yeah. licensed, you know, and they don't really, once you're applying for a license, they don't really care because you're doing it right at that point. They're not going to go back and say, well, how did you do all this work without a license? Right. But you know, it's a little bit more difficult to find someone that can sign off and verify that you've got right. the experience. So it's easier to go work for somebody else, but I'm kind of stubborn. and didn't want to work for anybody else. Uh-huh. And I was already busy working for myself. <laughs> so why would I go get a job somewhere yeah. else? And yeah. So I just kind of did it the harder way, but it still worked out. But it, it probably was harder, but more rewarding in the end. Definitely. Because um, you were able to learn more. Yeah. And that's one thing I, I've seen some younger guys that get into contracting because they know the right people to sign off for them and they don't, they maybe can walk through a job and schedule trades and be a general contractor. Uh But if you give them a hammer, they don't know what to do with it, (laughs) you know? And with me, I've literally done just about every trade myself, you know, plumbing, electrical, drywall, paint, roofing. I mean, I've done it all. And so, Am I as good or as fast as a guy that does it every day? No, because I don't. I don't do every trade every day for right. years. But I know all the codes, how to do it up to code. I know a lot of the little tips and tricks and how to do it a little yeah. bit quicker. You know, and so I've learned a lot of that. And now, as a general contractor, that helps me out because I know what to look for on jobs, and I know when somebody is doing something right, and I know when they're cutting corners. And I know how to effectively schedule the trades on a job because I've done it and I know who should come in first to make the job run as smooth as possible. Some of these younger guys I've seen, they don't, they understand, you know, drywall comes before paint, some of the basic <laughs> stuff, but, you know, it, there's a lot of smaller things that, you know, you run into a lot of little details that if you haven't done the work yourself, you don't realize how hard you're making it on some of your trades. Right. And because I've done all those trades, hands-on experience, I know how to effectively schedule a job and get all the trades in and 
not piss anybody off on the job, right. you know. And so I think that helps me be more effective as a contractor too. That's cool. That's a really good point because I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs. And I don't like have anything against this, by the way, but they'll go and they'll start a landscaping company or start a construction company, and they know all the the back end stuff as an entrepreneur, but they don't necessarily know the trade by heart, like someone who yeah kind of did it on their own at first. And so all those tips and tricks that you you know, especially like being able to empathize with your with your guys knowing how hard something is exactly. at times and knowing the tips and tricks like you said i think it yeah. can really benefit the, the company definitely yeah. you know there's just there's a lot of little things that you notice because you've done it that you might yeah. not pick up on if you don't have that experience mm-hmm. and it not only helps the job run smoother but it also helps you give the customer better product too yeah. you know i've always been big on quality and i've always had an eye for detail and that's one thing you know, you've probably heard in business, there's two ways to be successful in business. Either you invent something that doesn't exist or you make something better. Yeah. And obviously I didn't invent contracting, <laughs> but my goal coming into it was I want to be the best contractor out there. Uh-huh. And I'm sure everybody's heard the horror stories of somebody they know who's hired a contractor and they either did really crappy work or they took the deposit, started the work and then ran off and they never saw him again yeah. or you know you name it you, yeah you've probably heard the stories i've heard millions of stories and i wanted to come in and be that contractor that somebody who had a bad experience could come in and use and have just a totally different experience and mm-hmm. just restore faith in people up towards general contractors yeah. because yeah. general contractors have such a bad rap sometimes <laughs> and i wanted to come in and just be the best contractor out there and take care of the customer the best I could and some of the things that I do I pay attention to a lot of the details that a lot of guys don't like stuff inside the walls that you'll never see you know any decent contractor can make a job look good in the end yeah but a really good contractor knows all those little details that aren't ever seen that will make a job even better you know and so those are some of the things that I pay attention to you know for example in the framing stages, after we've done electrical and plumbing and all that, right before insulation, I'll go through with a can of foam and I'll seal up around windows and I'll seal up any light coming through that I see coming through the exterior walls, any plumbing penetrations going out, anything, any cracks in the plywood that I see, any daylight coming through, I'll go seal all that up before insulation. Uh-huh. And is it necessary to, you know, no, the house is still going to stand. Yeah. Nobody's going to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Most houses don't ever get that done, but that's just one little detail that I do huh. so that I know at the end of the day, I'm giving the customer the best product that I can. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, so I kind of want to go back a little bit and tie it in almost what, so you talked about like word to mouth and advertising. You don't do advertising really, um, but no. it's a lot of word to mouth. Is that, that's, I think that kind of goes together, like how you said you get the job done it kind of ties in with the word to mouth. I think a lot of construction is word to mouth. Yeah, it is. You know, a lot of service businesses, period, are word of mouth. You know, that's the best way of advertising. And I think the reason why I've never had to advertise and I've always had a steady stream of work coming in is because of the quality work that I do. Uh You know, if you treat the customer right, you give them a good quality job, they're gonna refer you out, you know? And so I think I've just been fortunate to never have to advertise and part of it is just because of my work ethic and my determination to make sure that it's done right and mm-hmm. I, I don't want a job to to be done just enough to pass code I want that job to be 
good enough that 10 years down the road they still remember who did that job right. you know right. and they look at their kitchen and say man that contractor he did a good job mm-hmm. you know still standing 10 years later yeah and so um as far as advertising goes most service businesses that's that's the best format of advertising is word of mouth if you mm-hmm. do good work work the word's going to spread mm-hmm. um you know as i get busier and grow my business i think we're going to have to start doing advertising because you get to a certain point where word of mouth can only carry you so far right. and i like i said i dream big and i've got big goals for this company and so we're starting to look at some different avenues of how can we keep growing this to get to be as big as I want, you uh-huh. know, and at that point, I think we're going to have to start paying for some advertising, and um, I have a sales guy that works for me now that's going out trying to drum up business, oh, and nice. so I'm starting to take some of those steps now, because we're kind of reaching that point where I can handle the work that's coming in, but we're, as we grow and I hire more guys, we're not going to, the pipeline's not going to be able to feed the amount of work we want to do. Right, for sure. That's cool. Um so with what you were saying about kind of standing out from everyone else just because there's so many so many service businesses, what would your advice be to, to someone who's starting a business that's not inventing a product, how they can stand out from everyone else? Um, I would say, uh, first of all, take care of the customer. Mm-hmm. I mean, do everything you can to bend over backwards to make the customer happy. Every once in a while, you're going to run into that rare customer that you just can never make happy yeah. you know it's gonna happen I've had them everybody's had them in business but for the most part you may have a customer that's annoyed about something and when they bring the concern up do everything you can to make sure it's right even if you have to lose money on the job mm-hmm. you know I've had jobs where I broke even or lost money because I did so many things just to make sure they were happy at the end mm-hmm. and I could walk away knowing that they were happy and they would refer me out All right you know I've had jobs that haven't gone perfect you know nothing is perfect and jobs have gone south yeah. things have happened things weren't done right whatever and the customer gets annoyed about it and i i go in and i just eat the cost of it i take care of it fix it make sure it's done right and even though the work doesn't wasn't done right to begin with, yeah. with whoever did it the fact that i jumped in ate the cost of it and just did it right and made sure the customer was happy in the end they were really happy and I think those kind of things they're going to be more willing to spread your name out yeah. because of that than if you if the job just goes smooth yeah you know if the job goes smooth people will spread your name here and there if they hear about it but if you bend over backwards for them and make sure they're happy it, the job doesn't have to be perfect every time some mistakes can be made but as long as you fix those mistakes and you eat the cost and you don't go back to the homeowner and say yeah, sorry, we screwed up, but it's going to cost this much more to fix. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just going right. to piss them off more. Yeah. You know, you got to be willing to, to walk away from some of those jobs losing money, knowing that you made the customer happy because you don't know where, you don't know who they know and who they're going to refer. For sure. So I would say that's, that's probably my advice for that. You know, always treat everybody like they've got a million referrals for you. Yeah. You know, because huh. you never know who they know and some of some of my best clients that I've gotten have come from people I never would have expected, you yeah, know, yeah. like a little bathroom remodel maybe. And it's yeah. not a huge job and we're knocking it out and they're happy with it. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're handing over a huge referral that you never would have expected. Yeah. So you never know where they're going to come from. So make sure you always take care of the customer and 
Bend over backwards for him. I think nice. that's a big thing. I like it. So game plan, mess up on purpose, then go back and fix it. <laughs> there you go. Free, so. Hey, that might be a strategy there. <laughs> Come up with a different business. <laughs> Have them mess up. There you and go. Be the superhero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so what's your experience been with employees so far? Um, so I've got nine or ten guys now, I think. Um, in this kind of economy, it's difficult finding good solid employees you know I've got a, a group of decent guys now um, but some of them I, I wish they worked a little faster or they knew a little more or things like that it's uh-huh. just with this economy everybody's so busy it's tough finding good help people that you can rely, rely on that'll just go in and bust their butt and get the job yeah. done quickly um, Employees can be a headache at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, when you've got that many running around, you're trying to manage. There's, there's a lot. They're always calling you about stupid problems. It's like, <laughs> just use your brain. I mean, <laughs> you know, I just sometimes you just pull your hair out at the end of the day. But ultimately, they're kind of a necessary evil. You got to have employees to grow uh-huh. business. And um, I think if you, if you treat your employees right, try to take care of them, try to give them a place that they are happy to come to work it's going to make a difference. They may not be the best employee out there, but it's going to make a difference. They're going to bug you less about little problems and mm-hmm. they're going to go out and work a little bit harder because yeah. of that, you know, because they're happy to come to work. Yeah. yeah. When did you go from just doing it yourself or picking up kind of odd guys every now and then to having a set amount? Of- um, so probably about three years ago when I officially set up my company, I was working still working on my own, um, taking one job on at a time. And then I would hire some part-time guys every now and then. And then, um, for about eight months of that year, I ended up hiring one guy that worked for me pretty much full time. Um, but we were still just taking on one job at a time. He and I were both working on the job. And then, uh, that next year, no, probably wasn't three years ago. It was probably two years ago that that happened. Um, and then last year in May, I ended up partnering with a guy who I did an addition for, um, speaking of referrals, you never know where they're going to come from. Mm -hmm. This guy had come from, I, I had done an addition on a house full on high end custom remodel on this whole house and posted some pictures on Facebook and a friend of mine said, Hey, my brother's looking to do an addition on his house. And so I went and met with him, ended up doing a thousand square foot addition on his house. And about halfway through that project, he said, Hey, I like you. I like the work you're doing. Would you ever be open to a partnership? I have a big network of people. You know, I could help you grow this business. And he owns a lot of other businesses. So he's got a lot of business experience and experience in growing businesses big. And I said, well, I don't know. I've never really thought about a partnership. Yeah. And so we started talking talking it over and last May we ended up partnering and uh, that's when he brought on a big client of ours that they own 9,000 rental houses in Phoenix and they're buying 20 to 50 houses a month and we're remodeling a lot of those and they're making them rental houses and so he had a connection with them that was able to get us into a really big client and that's when we started hiring a lot of guys because we needed the guys to support that as a regular general contractor, you don't always need a 
ton of employees because you can sub a lot of it out. Right. right. But there's some jobs like with this big client of ours where the margins are tight enough that you could never sub it out. You need to have your own in-house guys. Yeah. And so that's when we started hiring a lot of guys. Okay. So ever since last May, we just have been hiring and hiring as many as we can find that uh-huh. are qualified to do the work. And so we've been growing ever since then. Nice. So you're more in-house now rather than subbing out jobs? We're both. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's just one of our customers. They're a big customer of ours. We do a lot of work with them, but um, all pretty much that's all my employees pretty much work on their stuff. And then all my outside jobs, um, I pretty much just sub out uh-huh. almost all of it. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, I have an employee jump on something and do some yeah. demo or install some right. faucets or something. But for the most part, all, all the remodels and new builds and things are subbed out. Okay. What are the pros and cons of subbing out jobs rather than having a full-time employee? Um, if you're in a, if you're doing big enough jobs, you know, new builds or big remodels and there's enough in the budget to be able to sub stuff out, you're going to pay more to a subcontractor than you do to an employee right. that's on payroll. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's going to cost you more. So you got to have a job that's big enough that can afford to be subbed out. Okay. Um, if you're talking about a tiny little bathroom, it's hard to sub the entire thing out. Sometimes yeah. you need your own employees because yeah. it's just, you can't possibly charge enough to get every trade in there. Every trade is going <laughs> to have a certain minimum to come out For and do sure, some work. Yeah. And so, and especially with the way the economy is right now, everybody's so busy. Why would a plumber want to come do a tiny little bathroom yeah. remodel when they can plumb an entire new house, you know? And so, um, you're going to pay more with subcontractors, but generally you're going to, they're going to be kind of a specialist in that trade and they're going to come in and just knock the job out real quick. You know, I mean, obviously you have some that aren't that great, but um, once you get a good trade base and you know who you're working with, and yeah. you get a good relationship with them, you know who's going to come in and do good work. They're going to come in and just get the job done quick. They're going to clean up after themselves. You don't have to worry about it. You just say, hey, this job's ready for you. Here's the blueprints. Go do this. With an employee, you got to be a little more on top of them, managing them. And you have a little bit more control over the schedule. So you can throw an employee here and there on different jobs and get stuff moving quicker. Because sometimes you don't have control of your trades schedule sometimes. Right. They're busy on other jobs. Right. And, um and so, and but the employee can be cheaper. You have a little more control over it, but they may not have the experience that your subcontractor does. And so, it's kind of a balance of, you know, it's hard to find a guy that can work for you that can do everything. Yeah, it just it's very rare to find yeah. that. And so, one of your employees might be good at drywall, so he can do some drywall patches for you because your drywall sub is so busy on houses, he's not going to come do a patch. You know, <laughs> right. And so, there's times where I'll throw an employee on that kind of stuff, but for the most part on bigger jobs, I like to just sub it out because you, they, the, the subcontractors have more experience to just come in and get it done quick. Yeah. You're going to pay them more than what you pay an employee, but um, it takes a while to be able to build up a whole bunch of employees in one field that you, you know, if you wanted to be a framer, for example, you'd have to hire all these framers that have experience and grow that. And it's just, in order to do the larger projects, it just doesn't make sense to have yeah. employees unless you're in a position where you can hire 
and have a plumbing division and a framing division. And, uh-huh. and maybe that's something we get to down the road. But for now, um, the subcontractor model is much better on the larger projects. Yeah. And employees tend to work out, at least for parts of the project, on some of your smaller mm-hmm. projects. Cool. That's really interesting. Um, I guess I'd, I'd like to dive more into this partnership that you kind of mentioned. How yeah. how did it make sense for you to decide you wanted to cut your revenue in half and split up the, the business decisions? Yeah, so that was something I went back and forth on for a while because up until that point, I was working on my own. I had full control of business. Mm-hmm. And it was you going know. well. Right? Yeah, it, we were small, but we were growing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, was there things that you felt like you needed to fix a little bit though? Yeah, it, you know, when you're a one-man show, essentially, and you're the accountant, and you're the secretary, and you're the <laughs> office manager, and you're the contractor, and when you're doing all of that, stuff gets neglected. Yeah. You know, when you're busy out on the job, all the office work gets neglected, the books get behind, you know, and so I definitely needed to be more organized on the business side of it, mm-hmm. but when you're just out on the job 60, 70, 80 hours a week because you're so busy, all that stuff ne- gets neglected, you know, when you're kind of a one-man show. Um, and so I went back and forth on, is it worth giving up 50% of my business? You know, I built this from scratch. Do I want to give up 50% of the profit? Um, but what I finally came to the conclusion was, my 100% equity right now is going to be, or my 50% equity in the future is going to be worth a lot more than my 100% equity is right now. Hmm. You know, sometimes if you get a good partner, they can help you grow a lot faster than you can grow on your own. Yeah. And especially with his network. Yeah. You know, we, so the year before I took him on as a partner, we did about $250,000 in gross revenue, which is small for a contracting company, mm-hmm. but I was just taking on one job at a right, time. Yeah. Um, last year we did close to a million dollars, Wow, you know, and so, I mean, we, we grew fast, Uh you know, by taking on this partnership and it was because of his connections, he was able to get us into some big customers. And, um, and so, you know, I think once I realized that a good partnership, if you are on the same page can really help you grow a lot faster, I, I thought, you know what, let's do this because it's going to help me get that big business that I want. Mm-hmm. Even though I got to give up 50% of the company, I, it's that 50% is going to be worth a lot more. Yeah, and it already is. It already yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Within a year, yeah. it's already worth double what my 100% equity was uh, before. Awesome. So, uh-huh. <laughs> what's, what's his role and what's your role? So, um, he doesn't really have any contracting experience, but he has business experience. Okay. He owns nine other businesses. Okay. And so one thing that he does is he does all the books. He Almost every day he's on top of the books, updating them. Mm-hmm. And so all the books are done to a T. I don't ever have to worry about the book work. That's nice. Um, exactly, yeah. He, <laughs> he deals with the payroll. He does a lot of the office stuff. Uh-huh. And so it's nice for me because... I can go out on the job and manage these projects and I don't have to ever think about the office stuff. Yeah, focus on what you're good at. Exactly. And so, and then he's there for just advice and coaching on how to grow a business. You know, I'm getting into a big business with a lot of employees now to where I've never, this is uncharted territory for for me. I've never done this. Uh I've always wanted to do this, but I don't have the experience and he does. And so he's there to kind of help 
coach me along, give me advice, and then kick me in the butt when I need a kick in the butt, you uh-huh, know. Yeah. So it just kind of part a good partnership kind of helps you both uh, help motivate each other and help keep each other in line, you know, and um, hold accountable, hold each other accountable. That's yeah. what I was looking okay. for, yeah. you know. Um, and so he's kind of there to make sure that I'm on top of stuff and that we're closing jobs out and that we're making money on the business side, you know, he's going over numbers with me to make sure that we're actually making money. And if we're not, then I got to go out in the field and figure out why aren't we making money, you know? So, um, that's kind of his role in the business. He doesn't have any contracting experience, so he relies on me to grow the business on the contracting Uh side. And he kind of helps behind the scenes with all the business side of it. That's super cool. So would you say like the biggest benefit that he's brought into the business is kind of his his network to be able to get you those bigger jobs that you talked about? Yeah, I think his network and his just his business experience, okay, yeah. both of those are a huge benefit because mm-hmm. you know he owns nine other businesses, so he's been around the block with businesses yeah. and he's grown a lot of them to multi million dollar businesses. Nice. So it's to have a guy like that that's got that much experience, uh-huh. and then when you have that many businesses, you obviously you're going to have a big network. You're yeah, going to know yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think both of those kind of come hand in hand. Sure. So Makes those sense. are the two big benefits that I saw mm-hmm. to bringing him on. Yeah. Do you recommend partnerships then to anyone that's starting a business? Um, I, yes and no. I mean, I think it's got to be the right partnership. Yeah. yeah. Um, a bad partnership can go south fast. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't go out just hunting for a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, if you know what you want to do, you start pursuing that and going after it, and the right partnership will come along if yeah. it's meant to be. You know, if if you're looking, if you if you go out just hunting for a partner and you're gonna wait till you find a partner to start a business, you may never start a business. You know, <laughs> yeah. and so I think go out and do what you want to do. Start your business. That's the biggest thing in business and success in general is is showing up. I think there's a quote, you know, 80% of success is just showing up. You got to just go out and do it. You know, that's the biggest thing. Just go out and start the business. And if a partner comes along and you both seem like a good fit, I wouldn't necessarily turn it away. You know, explore that option, talk it over, make sure you both understand where you want the business to go, what you, what your visions are of the future. And if everything seems to line up, then maybe it's a good partnership Mm -hmm. thing. If things don't seem to line up, I would walk away and keep going and yeah. do it on your own. Yeah. I think partnerships can be good, but you got to make sure they're the right partnership. Mm-hmm. Do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then call Flamingo Pools today. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. 
So do you ever go out and get your hands dirty on a job, or are you mostly just overseeing and managing everything? Yeah, every now and then. I I could never just sit in the office all day, every day. I'm not <laughs> yes. that kind of person. Right. I always... I always wanted to be in some kind of business where I didn't have to sit in the office, and I have more office time than I want, you know, yeah. and it's not a ton, but it's more than I ever wanted. Yeah. I didn't want to sit at a desk, but I'm bidding plans and things like that, and, um, but I still get out, and I think one thing that's unique to me and what customers notice and appreciate is the fact that I have the experience. I, If a trade is behind on something and I can't get them out to a job and it's just something small that I got to do that's holding the whole project up, uh-huh. I can just go out and do it. Yeah. You know, like I had a project, we were doing a new um, thousand square foot studio in a backyard in Scottsdale and I was trying to do the underground plumbing and my plumbers were behind and finally they said, okay, we have two days, we can get out there and do this, but I can't get my excavation contractor to do it. And I said, all right, I'll dig it out. You know, I've got experience on heavy equipment. Uh-huh. So I rented an excavator. I dug the trenches while they laid pipe. Nice. We got it done. And then we ran into an issue with the inspector calling for a different size pipe. I couldn't get my plumbers out in time to get the stuff done on the driveway because my concrete guys were pouring concrete in a couple of days, pouring the driveway back that we had to tear out. And so I just went and bought the pipe at the plumbing supplier. I ran it under the driveway. I backfilled everything, got it done. You know, and I was down in yeah. the trench and the homeowner came out and he's like, you know, I really like you. You're the kind of guy that you're not afraid to jump down in the trench and get it done. And I said, you know what? That's, that's you got to do what you got to do to make yeah. the job move forward. And uh-huh. so, yeah. I'm I'm too busy running the business to do it all day every day. Right. But I do like getting out and doing a little bit here and there, especially uh-huh. if I get to run a piece of equipment. For you know, sure. that's just playing in a giant sandbox for me. Yeah. With, that's awesome. with my Tonka trucks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I I enjoy doing it every now and then, but I can't do it every day otherwise I would neglect so much more right. of the business so right. but I do get out and get my hands dirty every now and then uh-huh. huh. so so you already talked about how you kind of have a you've always had a love and been drawn towards construction and now you're kind of too busy towards that are you passionate about like what you're doing in terms of growing the business or do you wish you were kind of more doing work and had more time for actually playing in the sandbox you know <laughs> it depends on what trade I'm doing. There's some trades I don't care to do. And if I have to go out and do it that day, I would much rather be sitting in the office fitting a big job. But, uh-huh. um, if you're going to put me on an excavator, I would do that all day, every day. Uh-huh. Just forget about the business. <laughs> you know, forget all the employees and all those headaches. I just yeah. want to go run this piece of equipment. But at the end of the day, I think I just, my goals and dreams for the future are big enough that that's what drives me every day to keep this business going. And I do enjoy it. You know, I, I don't want to be the guy that's out getting my hands dirty all day, every day. I knew that from the start that I'm not afraid to work hard. I'll put in long days. I've had some long weeks and yeah. long months, you know, just grinding to grow this business. And I'm, so I, I'm not afraid of the hard work, but I knew that I didn't want to do it my whole life. I didn't want to be that guy that was just the hard construction worker for 40 years of his life. And he finally retires and, can't even move because his body's shut. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't want to be that. I wanted to use my brain to be smart and grow a business to where eventually I would have the freedom to go out and work on a job for a few hours if I wanted to get my hands dirty just for fun, mm-hmm. but I didn't have to. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, I do enjoy what I'm doing and growing this business and I'm excited seeing the growth. And so, and with my big goals for the future, it kind of keeps driving me for that. That's awesome. What would you say your goals are for the future then? 
Um, well, ultimately, I want a business that kind of runs itself, that I can oversee, but I can also leave for a week or two and have the business run itself. That's what I've always dreamed of having, and I'm getting closer and closer to that. I went to Hawaii for a week, about a week ago, and that was the first time I've been able to take a week off from my business in a long time. And so I'm not quite at the point where I can do that all the time, Uh but I'm starting to see the business is getting there where I've got some people in place that can manage stuff for me while I'm gone. And it's kind of exciting to see that. And so ultimately what I want is to be able to have that time freedom to, to enjoy life and do some of the things I want to do and not be tied to a job all day, every day. You know, and so ultimately that's what I'm trying to do is grow a business that can give me that kind of lifestyle and give me more time to, to explore other passions of mine. You know, real estate's another passion of mine, as we've talked about, you know, I want to get more into real estate investing and I want a business that can help fund that and give me the time freedom to go out and pursue that more. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are some of my big goals. Nice. Um, did, did construction kind of lead you to real estate just cause you're dealing with houses or did some other path kind of draw you towards that? Um, you know, I probably, I think my interest in real estate started, um, uh, when I was a teenager and I was seeing people flip houses, especially after the 08 crash, people were buying houses up and flipping them and making money. And I already had an interest in construction and I thought I could do that. You know, and and so I, I think that's where my real my real estate interest started. Uh-huh. Um, originally, I didn't want to buy any rental property. I thought I don't want to deal with landlords and or with tenants and be a landlord and yeah, fixing yeah. toilets and I don't want to do that kind of stuff. But as I got older, I realized that you can hire property managers for that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be fixing the toilet at uh-huh. two a.m. Yeah. And as I got older and realized that, I thought you know what maybe rental properties or where it's at. So I started thinking about some single family rentals and then I learned about multifamily and apartments. And, um, as I learned more about that, I realized, you know what, that is a way that you can create a lot of passive income. And so my brother-in-law and I ended up partnering on a real estate business a couple of years ago and bought some fourplexes and kind of got started in that game a couple of years back. And we're actively trying to grow that side of the business too. And so, um, I think it just kind of evolved from originally wanting to flip houses to, Hey, you know what? I could create passive income yeah, if yeah. I buy some apartments. So that's cool. And I'm sure the construction helps with it because you, you get some, uh, properties that are, are kind of hurting and needing some Definitely. attention and things like yeah, that. Yeah. So. Our, our partnership is valuable to getting in on some of these apartment deals because of my construction experience. Right. You know, most of these deals you're buying older 70s and 80s buildings yeah. that haven't been updated in a long time yeah. and the idea is you go in and update a lot of the units and make the property worth more and people pay more for rent mm-hmm. then in a few years you turn around and sell it it's kind of like a giant flip you're essentially <laughs> yeah. flipping a house yeah. but yeah. on a three to five year schedule instead uh, of quick you know you're remodeling all the units getting the value up and turning around and selling yeah. it in a few years and so yeah. Um, with my construction experience, it definitely is a benefit to be able to manage some of those rehabs. That's nice. Okay. So if financial freedom is the goal and you had to 
only pick one, would you go with starting a business and growing that or doing commercial real estate? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think ultimately real estate can give you that passive income more than a business can. Uh-huh. But for me, I see the benefit in both because as I grow my contracting business, it's going to give me the cash and the net worth to qualify for some of these big loans on these commercial properties. Right. And so that's another thing that drives me in the contracting business to grow that is if I make that big, then I'm going to be able to qualify for a lot of the real estate right. loans on the real estate side. And so to me, I see a benefit in having both of them. But if I had to pick one, I don't know. That's a tough one, <laughs> you know, especially because of my passion for construction. All right. You know, I, I see a benefit in both, but I think ultimately real estate is what can give me the time freedom more than a business. Yeah. Um, it's, it's takes more time and it's harder to get a business to give you that time freedom. Uh-huh. Real estate can do it a little bit quicker, I guess. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Sweet. So you talked a little bit at the beginning kind of about um, role models and mentors. Um, have you had some pretty big role models or mentors along the way? And Yeah, I have. Um, so my, uh, my parents are divorced, and so I wasn't around my dad a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think I kind of just gravitated toward some father figures, and I had... Right a couple of really good mentors growing up that were kind of like father figures to me. And, uh, one of them, the one that I'd kind of mentioned that instilled a good worth ethic in me. Um, he owned a masonry company building block walls and brick mm-hmm. and stone and worked hard, you know, had a pretty good business going. And, um, when I was 14, 15 years old, he'd take me to work in the summertime and I'd be building scaffolding and mixing mortar and stacking blocks. And, this guy could work circles around a 20 year old on a job site. He's in his sixties now and he probably still could. I mean, he's just, he just goes and never quits. And so, um, he was a real good role model for me that helped, helped me to get a good work ethic. And then I had another really good friend of mine that when I got into the carpeting business, he had done it for 35 years and was kind of there helping coach me along, answering questions, let me work with his crews you know, to learn stuff and, um, just was there the whole time while I had my business helping me with that business and, uh, became really good friends. And he was another really good role model. I learned a lot of business stuff from him, learned a lot about carpet cleaning and then just became really good friends. And I'm just like part of the family over there now. So that's awesome. I've had a couple of really good role models in my life. Yeah, that's good. I think it's important to have some good role models Definitely. that make an impact on your life. Cool. So, um, well, with that, before we kind of close up here, we've got a, a quick game that we're going to play with you. Okay. Um, so what's I'm happen? not good at being put on the spot, so let's see how this goes. So you'll have a minute to answer as many questions as you can. So there's 20 questions total. So okay. We can get through. There are questions oh, about you. Some are business. Some aren't. Okay. Um, and yeah, we'll just see what, uh, what you can get through in the minute. So okay. We'll pull up the timer here. You ready for this? Let's do it. All right. We will go in... Sorry, all right. Three, two, one. What's the best business book you've ever read? Uh, I would say uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I think Perfect. that really jump-started our real estate adventures. Perfect. And 
and it's a good business book all around. It's kind of changes your mindset a lot. Best podcast. Ooh, um, man, that's a tough one. I've listened to a lot of good real estate podcasts, um, but I hear there's this local hustler podcast. <laughs> oh, there you go. go. There you go. Win the game. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> celebrity crush. You know, I've never really been big on celebrities. Um, if I had to pick one, I might say Harrison Ford because <laughs> he's a pilot and I'm a pilot and I can relate to that, I guess. So, But I've never really been a huge celebrity kind of guy, I guess. Yeah. Fruits or vegetables? Uh, fruits. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? You know what? I'm not big on sports either. I don't know that I have a preference on that. <laughs> oh shoot! We'll, we'll tell. We'll say Michael Jordan. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll go with yeah. that. All right. Well, uh, good, good thought out answers, but unfortunately, it only kept you to four answers. So, but I, I think with some of those answers, he wins. Uh, yeah, yeah. You automatically win the game. Yeah. With the, the um, you mentioned I forgot. So you, uh, you have a passion for flying too. I right? do. So how? When did that kind of come into the picture? Um, you know, when I was a teenager. Um, I don't know when it started. That was another one of those that just kind of, it was a passion that kind of grew on me that just now I just feel like it was, it's in my blood and, uh -huh. um, don't know how it started, but I know when I was probably about 10 or 11, I went on a helicopter ride with my dad yeah. and it was the coolest thing ever. Flew up and landed on a mountain and I thought, man, this is sweet. Yeah. And then ever since then, I just thought it'd be cool to get my pilot's license. And so that became a dream of mine mm -hmm. and about, uh, Four years ago, I think, I finally was able to get it done and got my pilot's license, and now I fly for fun when I can. That's awesome. That's so, probably another big motivation for you to, to make you know money and definitely. grow your business, because flying isn't cheap. So. No, it's not. And I, Like I said, I have big dreams. One of my dreams is to own a jet that I can fly myself <laughs> around the world. That's awesome. I want to be able to just fly anywhere I want on my own jet. Yeah. And so, you know, and jets definitely aren't cheap. So yeah. I got to work hard to get that. There you go. Do you still, do you feel like you're able to find time for flying with your business in real estate? Not as much as I'd like to, uh -huh. but um, I can make the time. It's just, it's gotten to where I'm so busy that sometimes it gets put on the back burner. But yeah. Um, I enjoy just having that freedom to be able to go. If I need to go to Safford to check on my rentals, I can just jump on the plane and go yeah. fly there. It's an hour flight instead of a three-hour drive, mm -hmm. you know. And so I like those kind of trips. Um, but I, I get out and fly every now and then, not as much as I'd like to. But down the road, I'd like to have my own plane that I can just go fly when I want and have the time freedom to yeah. be able to do it too. So nice. Sweet. Well, before we close up here, why don't you kind of plug yourself, let people know where they can find you if they're needing any uh, contracting jobs. Okay. Um, I guess uh, probably the best would be to send me an email. Uh, my email is Damien, D-A-M-I-A-N, at CurtisContractingLLC.com. That would probably be the best to reach me. Send me an email and we'll come out and take a look. Sweet. Perfect. Check out. Yeah. Sweet. Or just get a hold of Dallin or I and we'll put you in touch. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, thanks again, man, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks uh, for having we've me. had a real good time. Good luck with all your goals and Thank dreams. You. I think we should do a follow up episode on the jet one day. Yeah, yeah come yeah. in the picture. Yeah. So uh, that sounds good. We'll see how we got. There. We'll do the we'll do the interview on the jet. Yeah, while there you we're go. Flying to some other country. <laughs> okay. Like uh, yeah. Thanks again, and we'll catch y'all next time. Yeah, we'll see sounds you. good.